0: This podcast is sponsored by Australian Christian College, a network of schools committed to student well-being, character development, and academic improvement. Welcome to The Inspiration Project, where well-known Christians share their stories to inspire young people in their faith and life. Here's your host, Brendan Corr. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspiration Project. We hope that you're enjoying the conversations we're bringing you of these prominent Australians who've been incorporating faith into their uh, careers and their lives um, and uh, being true to their sense of call. Absolutely delighted, personally delighted with the guest that we have in today as a, a lifetime rugby fan. It's a delight for me to speak to Mr Nick Farr-Jones. Nick has had an extraordinary career both in the sporting field and beyond that. First selected to play for Australia in 1984, he played for the next ten years straight. Um, captained the Wallabies for five of those years. Was one of the the um, components, the contributing players to the Grand Slam of 1984, and then the, uh, the the winning of the Rugby World Cup in 1991, and a series of. Uh, other opportunities that came his way to play internationally and to uh, to be part of different barbarian sides and uh, centenary celebrations. Beyond the sporting field, Nick has first trained as a lawyer and then has moved into the area of investment banking. Is now serving on as non-executive director on a number of companies uh, and their their governing boards. Um, Nick, we are so delighted for you to give some time. We know that it's a really intense period for everybody. Um, Particularly because of the the impact of COVID on business world, but we also understand that you you're still supporting rugby in Australia and the complexity that 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 organisation is facing at the minute. So thank you very much for your time. We we really appreciate it,
1: Brendan. I, I should I say headmaster um, or <laughs> principal. It's, it's it's my absolute pleasure. I mean it is a busy time. Uh, it's it's challenging times. Um, they're interesting times. But um, you know as we we're just talking you know before this recording you know. There's great opportunities in these difficult times. There's opportunities to reset, as many sporting organisations will do, that and, and they need to do that. You've got to cut your cloth accordingly. Mm. Um, there's great opportunities to plan. There's great opportunities to put processes together for future benefit. Um, so I'd encourage your students who are going to listen to our little chat to use it as a, as a time, you know, to 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 benefit, to look at us at a time to get, you know, close with with family, to look out and support mum and dad who might be going through tough times. Um, support your siblings, support your schoolmates, be online. Don't joke around too much. It's always good to have a bit of fun. But just reach out to people. You know, it's a bit of that are you okay message and and use it as an opportunity because don't waste your time is effectively what I'm saying. Um you know, it's it's a terrific opportunity, this, if, if you use your time wisely. And, you know, this is where, again, if we're going to reflect a little bit on my spirituality later, my faith, it's probably where I should maybe step up a bit more. You know, we always complain that we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time to get into the Word. We don't have enough time to be spending time in meditation and prayer, um, you know, on God's Word and, and what have you. And it's a perfect time now to just strengthen and deepen your relationship with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: We will take up that exhortation a a little bit later, Nick, but you you mentioned that the main target of uh, our our listening group, kids in the upper end of school uh, or just having left school, can I, can I ask you, what was school like for you? Was it uh, at a, at a fun place to be? Was it a challenging place? What, what do you remember of school? I, I
1: loved school. I, I had a fantastic time at school. I was brought up in the Shire, so the Sutherland Shire, okay. Gaimier, and then Cronulla. Um, so my primary school was Miranda Primary. I used to walk down the Kingsway, um, probably a kilometre to get to school. Um, you know, I loved Miranda. I, I loved sport. You know, I, I used to swim twice a day. Right. Um, so my parents used to drive me and my brothers down to swimming training, which held you in great stead, um, you know, for, for the disciplines of, of you know, playing for your nation in sport and the disciplines that were required to that if you wanted to, do, you know, reach your potential.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so Miranda Primary was fantastic. Um, I left there in 1973, um, so year six, <clears throat> my parents put a straw hat on my head, um, Brendan, uh, which was called a boater in those uh-huh. days. I'm not sure if it is still, but they put me on a train from initially Guymere and then Cronulla. It was three hours to get to Stanmore and back. That school was Newington College, um, right. and you know, yeah, at Stanmore, and and I had a fantastic time there. I, I loved the place. Uh, I had a great headmaster who my parents knew very well, and I was just with his son yesterday, um, sharing, swapping notes on a whole bunch of things. Um, it was a great place. I, I, I love the sport. I love the interaction. I love the study. I love the teachers I had and their passion. Um, so you
0: know, teacher so you stood out, Nick, any, any teacher, that you just an infant it impact was, on me.
1: Oh, I, I gave a eulogy to my geography teacher. Um, called you know, Mr. Wisnam, Clive Wosnam. He was my first rugby coach. Um, he was, he was a fantastic guy. He made you know geography something that I loved and was passionate about. Um, you know, Clive was was just a terrific man. He was a boarding house master, and um, you know, I saw him going to. I played soccer when I was young, you know, down in the Shire, and and so I knew nothing about rugby. When I turned up at Newington, I didn't play soccer back then. And I turned up and I saw steel studs for the first time. And I said, Mr. Wisdom, what happens if someone treads on you with those things? 20 test matches against the All Blacks later, you quickly find <laughs> oh, about out. It, but, yeah. but I remember turning up and saying, you know, where are the round balls? And he said, no, we don't play with them here. And, and I said, well, where do I play in this game? And he said, it's easy. You're the littlest kid, here's a number nine jersey, you know, which was scrum half. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I remember those things well. A man called Barry Rex, um, who I visited recently, not great in health. Mm. Um, Barry was my athletics coach. When I was three hours on the train, the swimming disappeared. I took up middle distance running, you know, 800 metres, 1500 metres. Again, you know, great for the discipline of of squeezing the lemon and getting all the drops out, hard work. Um, you know, Barry was a fantastic guy. I have many great, you know, um, memories. And as I said, um, my headmaster, who was headmaster at Newington, Tony Ray, um, one of the great educators, was was there for 23 years. But, But he was was my headmaster for the six years I was at Newington and, um, you know, wonderful leader. And, um, you know, they're very, very fond memories. One thing that your students should understand, um, Mr. Head, is that uh, I wasn't good enough to play first 15 at my school. um, So I didn't make the the first 15 rugby team. Um, I was very proud and happy to captain the seconds, but uh, I I suppose there's a little message there. that, you know, if you don't achieve all your dreams at a young age, just keep persevering, keep trying, keep going after the next interview. Um, just keep working hard on your skills and, um, and don't give up on your dreams.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that story that uh, you very generously introduced for us about uh, the, the success that came post-school for you is a bit legendary in rugby circles anyway and, and an enormous encouragement to
1: Indeed, yeah, I'd like community. to think that. I'd like to think that because you know a lot of people do give up on their dreams, do give up on their hopes. But but to to your your students, um, work out what you're passionate about. That that's a really important thing. What what do you love? What do you love doing? You know, dream and think yeah. big. You know, um, think about how this could take you on a on a wonderful journey in life. Um, whether it's music, drama dancing, sport, the particular, the particular, um, you know, academic pursuit you want to follow. Um, Find out and make sure you're passionate about that. Um, But then, you know, there's a few ingredients beyond that. Work hard. And, you know, I I was listening today, Brendan, as, as we speak, my first national coach Alan Jones announced that he was, you know, standing down at the end of May from, you know, an amazing 35 years of broadcasting, wow. amazing success and amazing reach and, and what have you. And, you know, he taught me a lot of lessons, um, you know, as a young rugby player, as my coach and, and one of them was what, what he'd call the Gucci factor. He always spoke in analogies. He always spoke about, you know, true stories and, and what people said and what have you. And, the bottom line of the Gucci factor, you know, when he was the young Italian boy, the fashion designer, um, was approached by his dad at the age of 17 and dad said, look, someone, what do you wanna do with your life? And the boy said, dad, I wanna go into the clothing industry. And the dad said, here in Italy, you won't be able to compete. And the boy said, yeah, I know dad, but what I wanna do is use the best of everything. And the dad said, well, if you're gonna use the best of everything, you're gonna to have to charge the top price, you know, if you wanna get the best designers, the best makers, the best fabrics, you're gonna to have to charge the top price, people won't be able to afford your gear. But the boy said, Dad, long after the price is forgotten, the quality remains. Yes. And I want to encourage your students that there's a there's a big message in that. You're mm. gonna have to work hard. You're gonna have to there's a bit of what I call blood, sweat, and tears. Mm. There's a bit of perseverance, you know, particularly in these tough times, you know, with COVID and 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 what have you. Work hard, go through the challenges, um, make the effort, um, go through the pain long after the price is forgotten. The quality remains. Um, You know, I look at Alan Jones's wonderfully successful broadcasting career. Mm. He has worked his, you know, if I could just put it in very quickly into my perspective, you know, a kid who went from not being able to play for his first 15 to have 10 years with the Wallabies um, and captain the team for half that time and and to be lucky enough in the right place at the right time to captain a World Cup winning team. Um, I'm a long-time retired. I'm nearly 30 years retired, but... I don't remember the hard yards, but there were plenty of them. Yeah. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of suffering. There was a lot of rugby's a great game. Touring's a, w- a wonderful way of life, but you got to go through the hard yards. And and if if your students want to achieve their goals and their passions and their dreams, they've got to be prepared to change a few things. Work absolutely. Put my hand on my heart. Um, it's worth doing. Yeah. because what you want to achieve is a really, really important thing in my view.
0: Nick, you've mentioned the disciplines and the hard work that, that you uh, can attribute some of your rugby success to. Where did you have – was that something that you just w- were born with? Did you have to – No, no, I think it's I developed. Think- I mean, I think
1: it, it, it partly comes from your parents and watching them and the way they behave. My dad was a, a pharmacist and he, you know, he worked really hard. He ran a day-night pharmacy. Um, He used to manage other people's pharmacies until about the mid-70s when he bought his first pharmacy. He worked particularly hard. My mum, she studied physiotherapy, um, but when she had my older brother, you know, she basically became a house mum, but she was – nothing was too hard for her. And so those sort of disciplines, I think, come from your parents. They come from your teachers. They come from – you know, those people around you. Um, as I said, I, I, when you swim twice a day and then you go from swimming to middle distance running, you learn those disciplines mm. and they they hold you in very good stead. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I studied law and, and my grandfather was a a very successful commercial lawyer. My uncle was a barrister and so I, I wanted, you know, that I, I wanted to get into the law and, and then I went from there into investment banking and then into funds management. So all those things require discipline. I mean, I, Andrew and I, my wife and I are lucky enough to have, um, you know, four wonderful kids. My my daughters are 29 and 27, my boys are 23 and 20. So bringing up families and all the disciplines that are required around that, um, you know, and having balances and, working out whose role is what, Angie and I sort of do that pretty well. I think we've done it extremely well. You know, we, we, we quickly worked out because of my life when our kids were young and my traveling with, with sport and, and the fact that I was the breadwinner, we quickly worked out our roles. And, and, and that again is, is disciplines that, um, you know, as, as I, as I sort of talk about it, I, my first day in the legal office, Brendan, I, I went in and thanked my senior partner and, um, I said to Mr. Holden, thank you for employing me. And um, he knew me a little bit. He, you know, sort of followed the footy and we caught up a few times. And, you know, I asked him a question. I said, uh, Mr. Holden, what sort of law do you think I'd be good at? You know, would it be property law, commercial law, litigation, maybe family law? I'll never forget his answer. He said, Nick, don't worry about the sort of law. He said, work out what sort of person you are. Mm. He said, there's binders, minders, binders and grinders. And I worked out very quickly what sort of a person I was, particularly when I moved a young family to Paris in 95. And I accepted a job with Societe Generale, a French investment bank. Um, and the cracks in the ceiling were getting wide after a couple of months there, not understanding the language, not understanding banking, having not studied economics. But I realized I had to work out what sort of person I was. I was asked to go and open up Africa from the mining perspective. I mean, South Africa at the time was the biggest gold producer. and we ended up doing really, really well, but I had to work out what sort of, of those four, what was I? And, and I've for 30 years, 35 years of my working life, I've been a, a, a finder and a minder. Um, I'm not a binder and I'm not a grinder. But, but life is about what are your strengths? Yeah. Where do you position yourself? And, and team is about then surrounding yourself with people that fill the voids. You know, the people that that love sitting behind a computer, that love doing the financial number crunching, that love writing up a 40, 50-page credit paper. That's not me. Yeah. I, I like to be out there. I like to be meeting the clients. I like to be looking at the deals. I like to be, um, if we've got the client, then minding the client. That's what I'm good at. Mm. And, and so I, I encourage your students. Um, and they're young, you know, some of them might be 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Um, You don't have to work it out tonight, yeah. but but eventually work out, as I said, what you're passionate about and where you think your skill sets are. Don't try and be everything to everyone, yeah. but just pursue your particular gifts, um, gifts that are often given from God.
0: You're drawing an interesting contrast, Nick, in what you're describing. Find your passion, find the things that you, you want to do, that you enjoy doing. And you're good at it. And then that's balanced by all, all the hard work, all the things that they're getting. Well, up. Well, if you want more. to, you want
1: to realise your potential, Brendan. If you want to realise your potential, so it's, a, it's, you're going to have to come with some hard work. You, you can't sit back and take it easy. If you want to talented, find out, it's not going to get. Whether happy. it's your academia, exactly. It's not all fun. Whether it's academia or whatever you love, you know. And and for me, you know, I'm I'm known you know, for being lucky enough to pull on the gold jersey and and play for a decade for Australia. It didn't come easily, Mm. (laughs) I can assure you. Mm. The best players that I played with, whether it's the Campeses, the Liners, the Poitavans, the Eelses, the Littles, the the Horans, they all had the same common denominator of being prepared to work hard. Mm. People say, oh, look, geez, they were gifted, they were fantastic players, it must have come easily. No, I saw the way they worked. The best players I played with were the hardest workers.
0: Nick, did did you see on the the counterpoint people that had as much talent but weren't prepared to do the hard work?
1: There's no doubt about that. Some of them I played with that might have lasted for a couple of years and and fizzled out. I mean, look at any sport. Look at how many people are great young golfers, great young tennis Mm -hmm. players, great athletes, um, great swimmers. But no, they, you know, if, if you look at the people that bubble to the surface that have. Uh, longevity and endurance, um, and and you know, get to the 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 top of their sport or the top of their um, you know their career. Um, you know, right across all the ranges, they, they've all got that common denominator that preparedness to roll up the sleeves.
0: Do you think that's what made you a a natural leader, Nick? That attitude of of being able to do what was hard right now for the sake of what was coming. It's it's. It's always beneficial
1: if, if you're seen to, you know, lead by example. But as I said, Brendan, I was a swimmer and then a middle distance runner. I, I, I used to love, well, I didn't love it because it was hard work. Whenever i go for a run on the, on the road or the pavement, I made sure it hurt Yeah, because that's, you know, no pain, no gain, that sort of thing. But, but it's always good if you are the leader that you set the example.
0: Yeah. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, so, have you tried to do that in so, the business world, Nick? How have you led by example when it comes to something like the law or investment banking? What are the oh,
1: look? I, I, I just think I think more than anything, it's it's probably again your work ethic. Um, it's the way you treat people. It's 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 the camaraderie. It's making sure that seniority of position and title um, doesn't create any any you know, sort of if you want to create a great spirit within the team and a great culture, you respect everyone's position, you know. Um, you know, you can talk about in the old days of the tea lady and what have you, but I, I think to build culture and spirit, everyone needs to be bought into the vision of, of the team, um, whether it's the business team or the sporting team or the whatever it is, everyone has to feel on the same page Um Everyone has to know what we're going after, mm. and, and you treat people fairly and courteously, and and you know with importance right across the team. You listen to people's concerns. Um, you know, it's it's. I, I think they're important aspects of leadership.
0: Yeah, that's good. You spoke earlier about the the spiritual side of your your life and the things that were important to you. you you've also mentioned that your your um, home was a formative place those relationships with your parents and with your uh, yep. other family members was faith an important part of of that formative time or was it something that came to you later now,
1: growing that, up it, it wasn't i i my parents weren't and aren't church girls. um mum and dad mum sadly had dementia for a number of years um we we see her regularly um at her, the place she's at dad dad's also in aged care and um quite immobile but my parents know they they church wasn't important in our household we went to christian schools you know newton was a christian school um but look i i came to to faith um i met a couple of young ladies um on a sunday night up at uh, a pizza place in carringborough down in the sutherland shire and um they were attractive i've always think god moves in mysterious ways and and they invited. Well, I, I said, "Can we see you again?" They they were having a coffee after church, and I was up with a mate of mine um, having a pizza, and and um, yeah, I said, "Any chance we could catch up again?" And, and one of the girls said, "Yeah, yeah, come along to church next Sunday." So I went along to Caring Bar Baptist, and you know, sort of maybe six weeks later from hearing, know, yeah, the um, you know, it's interesting. We we think we live in in Christian suburbs and towns and go to christian schools and and we live in a christian country um and yes we we did have um you know christian studies at newington but i, I really didn't understand the gospel of jesus christ when i started going along to uh, caring bar baptist and as i said maybe six seven eight weeks later i, I put my hand up and and made a commitment and um I, when i started to hear the gospel preached in an undiluted way when i started to you know experience what people call um agape love my parents found it very strange that i kept on wanting to go back on sundays but at the end of the day brendan um you know that's going back to about 1978 um so we're a long way down the track and yes i've i've matured significantly as a christian or or older Christian would say, yes, it is. You have your good days and your not so good days. You have your good weeks and not so good weeks and you have your great years and not so great years. But I'm very lucky to have married a a beautiful Christian lady who's got a great faith, whose mum is a very powerful, you know, sort of believer and and a great lady of prayer. Um, My four kids, they're believers and, you know, they, they wane sometimes and what have you. But I, I can I can sit here chatting to you um on this Tuesday afternoon and say it's it's the most important thing in my life um continue to mature. I mean I look at as the apostle Paul who wrote two thirds of the New Testament as a classic example. You know he 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 was never comfortable where he got to. Um he he always knew that becoming more Christ-like was mm-hmm. his passionate pursuit. Um you know he knew that he had a a mission to to you know build the early church mm. and I try and get inspiration from that as I get older. Um, and I, I genuinely think the best years for me are in front of me, particularly in my Christian walk. Um, you know, I'm 58 years of age, but I think the best years are in front of me in relation to the influence that I can have as a Christian. Um, and at the end of the day, they, that that's, that's the great you know, commission that, that Christ said, go out and preach to all the world. And, you know, we have to, as Christians, try and be a blessing on other people um, yeah. every day. Yes. We, we have to be used by God and Christ and the Spirit just to, to touch other people, to bless other people, to, to spread the good news, to be that you know, out of us will flow rivers of living water, and, and that's to bless other people and to be used by God. Yes, and so, yeah, it's important to me.
0: You, you moved into a, quite a decade of life when you were playing with the Wallabies, and then overseas for your professional career into, into Paris, and in- what 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 did you think I was a professional rugby player, Brendan? Oh, sorry, the the amateur period. I get that. <laughs> I was either
1: a student or a lawyer at the time, so they crossed over. People make this mistake that you're a professional rugby player, yeah. and then all of a sudden you stop playing, and then you well, went we into now, your professional year. No, it was very much you know you didn't have the same training commitments and what have you. But when you trained, you trained your butt off. <laughs>
0: So let me rephrase that. You you're involved in a period of the time where you are off on tour for extended periods. Well, the
1: longest one was 10, year, 10 weeks, which mm-hmm. was 84. But then 85, we didn't tour at all. So you had varying things. I mean, I, I think that when I think back to my 10 years, um, and I never took holidays. My holidays were my rugby tours. The only holiday I took in that 10 years playing for the Wallabies was my honeymoon with my wife. Um, when we got married in 89. So my holidays were rugby tours. Okay, so I would have averaged 10 and a half months in the office as a lawyer. So don't think it was all just, you know, running around the world playing footy.
0: Yeah, I, I get it. R- tough tough way to go. M- my thought was... No, it wasn't.
1: It was a wonderful way to go because rugby touring was a great way of life. It gave you the passport to the world. It gave you great mateship. It's just that when I was home, um, I didn't take holidays. As it
0: was. I In that experience, how, how away from your regular base was it hard to maintain a sense of faith and and and?
1: Uh, no, no, not really. I mean, you you've got to remember too; those were the, my younger days of faith. But I look, I fired up pretty quickly with my faith. Um, no, I, I, it, it wasn't. And people often ask, "What was You know, what was touring like, and, and all that?" And and you know, I've, I've. <clears throat> I, mean, I suppose just to give you one quick example, there was a guy who I played rugby with at Sydney University. I mean, Tony Abbott was one of the props, and there was another guy who I won't mention his name. Um, but this guy invited me about oh, maybe 15, 20 years ago to come to a, a men's breakfast on a Saturday morning and speak about my faith. And I said, are you a churchgoer now to this guy, John? <laughs> and and he would have been the last guy I would have thought that would come to a faith and a belief and, and to salvation. And, he, and I said, how did this all happen? You know, and, and we shouldn't think like that. I mean, nothing is impossible with God. Um, but, but one of the things he said, because we toured with Sydney University to Europe in 1982, and he said, mate, I always remember, you used to sit in the middle of the bus, us, buffy Fords, were up the back, you know, drinking beer. And don't get me wrong, I enjoy a beer and whatever. You. Um, but he said, I always remembered you, when we'd go on those bus trips, you know, to the next town where we'd stay and play the next game, you always spend about half an hour just reading the Bible. Wow. And so even on those tours, whilst I wouldn't, you know, I mean, yes, the reason a guy hung on a cross was because none of us are without fault. None of us were without sin. Okay. Yes, there's things I'm probably not proud about. Of course there are. And, and that's why Jesus hung on a cross for us. Okay. But, I can't even remember that but it, but it was just interesting that he noticed that and it was yeah. an important thing to him that he was this young guy in this team that you know played a decent game of rugby and and enjoyed himself and, and and you know got on well with people but that was important to him just to spend some time in the word mm. and so no right right back from those early days of rugby touring my faith was always important I mean representing my country um, captaining my country, um, putting our best foot forward on and off the, the field and, and doing that really proudly was really important to me. But also not shirking from my faith was was really important to me as well. And, um, you know, there were a bunch of Christians. There's a lot more now in the team. Um, there was a, a few of us within the team. Not that we would get together, you know, regularly for prayer or Bible readings. But. Um, but we would encourage each other. And, and look, I got on well with all my teammates and, and they knew the sort of person I was. And, and hopefully, you know, as I said, leading by example, but being consistent in, in your, in your, your walk, being consistent in the way you deal with people, being consistent in, in, you know, importantly things, because when you're together and, you know, it, it can be tense and there's, there's high pressures and high stakes. You you can have bad days. And and so being prepared to say sorry or, you know, forgiving Mm -hmm. someone else, Mm -hmm. really important things, really important um, aspects of life of of character.
0: That's describing the connections that you have with a a team and rugby teams, especially when they're on tour, become very close. You spend a lot of time with one another. You really rub up against one another in in the ways that require all of those interpersonal Connections you're talking about is is it similar when you're on a board or is that a different experience of teamwork when you're?
1: Oh no, look, look, working in a, in, a, in a business environment, working on a board. I mean, they, they, they're all the same things. You've got you know interpersonal skills are hugely important. I mean, you think about you and your teachers and and you know what's important there. Um, sorry about my dog. Um,
0: right, it's good to hear. <laughs>
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's, he's just barking at something outside. But um, no, Brendan, I mean, it, it's, it's I, what I think is really, really important in life, and your, your students listening to this, you and I are a bit older, but just consistency of, of the way you behave. As I said, every now and then we fall down. And, and so being able to just say sorry to people is important and other people will fall down and being able to forgive people is a really, really important quality in life. You've got to forgive, you've got to let go. Otherwise, it'll it'll affect you. And you've got to be able to say sorry. Um, but just the consistency of behaviour, the consistency of, 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 of people know, you know your character and how you're going to respond and being able to reach out when someone's in need yeah. is, I think, a really important quality. Um, so to having those sensitivities. Yeah. And, and for your students, um, you know, the Bible says if you lack wisdom, you know, pray to the spirit. You know, we, we all lack wisdom from time to time. We all, you know, lack what is the best approach, you know, to this problem I'm having with a relationship with someone, whether it's in the family, whether it's your close friends, whether it's, you know, someone who's a bit more distant. Pray for wisdom. Mm. Um God will respond to that and and the Holy Spirit will give you that wisdom of knowing how to behave. But I think consistency of behaviour where people can trust you is a a really important ingredient. And, you know, as I said, I'm 58. I'd like to think I've had a reasonable consistency of how I conduct myself and how I reach out to other people, Mm. particularly in need. Um, I know quite a few people who... Who who love reaching out to the rich and famous. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think it's really important to reach out to those who are doing it tough as well. Um, and I think I've had a bit of consistency in doing that over over a number of decades.
0: Yeah, I would. As yeah, just a bit of personal encouragement, Nick, your the reputation of your character is widely recognised and commented on. Um, so thanks, Brendan. It is very true. You you had departure you practicing lawyer successful in that space balancing that with uh, the success on your amateur rugby career and and then make the big decision to start a whole new career and hang up the boots and head to paris and learn economics what what was going through your heart as you were taking your family to a different part of the world? And uh, Look, I, I, Brendan,
1: it, it, probably, there's probably a number of things that, that were in that. I mean, I, I, I've always wanted to spend some time in, in Europe. Um, life was getting out of control in a nice way, mm. but life, you know, post-rugby, I had a lot of demands on my time. I, I really wanted to sort of cut the umbilical cord to an extent. Right. When I, and I thought just going to a place like Paris where no one would know me, um, you know, I could, I could just take a young family and, and we could, you know, my wife, you know, learned French at university and school. Um, but really just to, to get away from the busyness of life mm. and, um, and have some, what am I called, downtime Plus, it was you know it was a, it was a very offer. Um, I've now been 25 years in in investing and lending in the mining industry, and I find it a fantastic and fascinating industry. Um, you know we all we all rely on mined commodities. Um, you know sometimes people paint them as bad, but but your students know that you know every. Commodity that's mine goes into these things and I'm holding up an iPhone yeah. into the television into your into your electricity into your car into every aspect of life, whether it's whether it's, you know, gold, silver, copper, lead, zinc, nickel, tin, uh, cobalt, um, your coking coal goes into the steel production, your iron ore goes into your steel production, your thermal coal goes into your energy. You know, every aspect of coal your rare earths that go into our our iPhones and our computers, um, people forget that. And it's a fascinating sector and it's, you know, I call it two degrees of separation. Mm -hmm. Um, You get to know everyone globally, you get to know all the companies, the ones that succeed, the ones that don't. But I've been 25 years now in in that sort of mining finance space And, and I just find the people, the diversity of the people, the engineers, the geologists, the metallurgists, the financiers, the brokers. Um, I, I just find it a, t- a terrific industry, and um, you know, there's an opportunity to give back because a lot of our a lot of our investing and financing goes into emerging countries. So we do quite a bit in West Africa, Mali, Guinea, Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, or the Ivory Coast. Um, you know, and and the contribution of mining to those countries it can be as much as 25, 30% of their GDP. And so what it means to, you know, the GDP of a country, the growth of a country, the employment for the country, for the communities, I just find it a fascinating industry. But, yeah, look, there were challenges when we first went over, but I've loved every aspect of my life. I, I've, I've really loved every, and, and you yeah, know, my wife loved it, you know, getting over to France and Paris. And, um, you know, we, we just did a lot of great things and we've got a lot of great friends and, my third child, my first boy who was born in, in France, he's got four French godparents and, and they're all special, um, you know, and, and just the connections. I mean, Angie and I were due to go to, uh, to France in July this year. We still have the plane book. We're going to go via Wimbledon and, um, and then down to, you know, down to Italy and, you know, we still have so many great friends and, um, and uh, you know, that's a really special part of, of our life. And um, and after the four years in Paris, I came back and ran the mining finance team for the French investment bank for ten years. So that was a great time. And and two of my colleagues from from Societe Generale are still with me at Taurus Funds Management. So you know we've we've been blessed. Um, yeah. You've made some in, in great obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and France is a great time. And the next Rugby World Cup will be hosted by France again, so we're already you know preparing Lions. for uh, yeah. yeah for the six weeks over there.
0: Um, I, I guess that there there are some uh, trappings that come with being an, an ex captain of the Wallabies, a World Cup winning captain. You may get some opportunities that might not come to everybody's uh, intray. That is balanced by the fact that you you live a high profile, highly recognised sort of life. Are you are you comfortable in that space now, Nick? That, yeah, no, very comfortable.
1: Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, it's, as I said, um, part of the rationale of going to Paris was just get away and cut the umbilical cord, just get away from everything and, and just, and just not have the, you know, the, the, the demand on, on my life at the time. So that, that four years was, was wonderful. And, you know, as I said, I made a lot of great friends in the UK and, and France and you know Europe. Um, but yeah there there is a focus on on the way you behave and and, and what you do and what you say and yeah you know, there's a constant you know whether it's the israel palau issue that we we saw last year or whether it's the current you know sort of <clears throat> issues around you know the business sustainability of rugby australia where i've i've been a little visible um on on you know trying to have constructive discussion as better ways of doing things there there's no doubt that um, that you are in the spotlight. I've, I've been approached many times to enter politics mm. um, and to be given safe seats, both federal and state, but I, 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 that's the sort of 24-7, you know, sort of focus that I don't want. I, I think I can make better contributions in other areas yeah. and I'd like to think I've done a lot of that with a lot of the not-for-profit work I've done and you know other areas where I contribute, um, but you know at the moment as we go through these issues with with COVID and what have you, I, I, I salute most of the politicians. They have done an amazing job. I do know, I do know a lot of the the, the federal um, ministers and a lot of the New South Wales state ministers quite well, and I know how they're rolling up their sleeves and the, the work they're doing. Yeah. It is quite amazing, um, particularly in some areas of social work. You know, and and you know community and 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 you know aspects of homelessness and the way that they've dealt with that during this period. And as we go into winter, the way they're going to have to continue to deal with that and look after the vulnerable and, and, you know, the people who still go through the terrible things like domestic violence and what have you. Mm. I think the state government right across a lot of the portfolios has done an amazing job. Um, I think our prime minister, who we know is is a, a strong faith filled Christian as is, is his wife and I, I assume his daughters, but you know, I, th- I think he's done an amazing job as is our health minister and a whole bunch of, and and Josh Friedenberg. I'd encourage your students in your school to be regularly in prayer mm. for our leaders. Um, it's a really important thing, and, and, and don't ignore it. I mean, yeah, we call Australia the great Southlander of the Holy Spirit. We've been blessed through this period so far. Mm. Um, and, you know, let's let's... Remember that there's so many people doing, you know, doing it tough with financial hardship. But as I said, I've, I've dealt with a lot of emerging countries, Africa and even South Africa, the biggest economy in in, in Africa. Mm. And they don't have social nets like we do. So they can't have job seeker and job keeper. Um, you know, I just, the guy who drives me when I go regularly to a big conference in Cape Town every year, you know, he... he called me a couple of months ago, and you know he's, he's a taxi driver, he's, he basically is out of work because of the shutdown in South Africa. They don't have social nets like yeah. we do in Africa. So I'd encourage your students just to be very thankful for the positions that even if mum and dad mightn't be working, yeah. um, even if they may have lost their job, we have still got a great social net in, in Australia. Think about the other countries that are doing it tough. Pray for our leaders, pray for their wisdom, mm. And, um, and and pray for those emerging countries that are doing it so tough and, and really are facing enormous challenges.
0: Nick, that sentiment that that uh, clearly comes from your your heart, your your commitment to be conscious of those that are less fortunate. You've spoken throughout the, this interview of that desire, that encouragement to to think of the other, and to be generous in what you do. You you and your wife are involved in um stand tall for the last few minutes that we have in conversation would you yep. take some time just to tell us a bit about No, that? no sure i mean just
1: for your That's students i mean just just write down stand tall event just google search that you'll see our website um so i chair the board it's a not-for-profit my wife co-founded it with a, a lovely friend of hers janine trahan Um, about eight years ago. We started off just at the Knox School. Um, We used their facilities that they gifted us for a couple of years. Started with about a thousand students. Typically we aim for years eight, nine and 10. Um, We think that that's about the right age for the message that we're looking to deliver. We then went to Luna Park in the last four years. We've been at the International Convention Center at Darling Harbour. We're one of their three not-for-profits that they support and they're wonderful um, supporters of ours it's really about hope and resilience and looking after each other and supporting each other. We, you know, everyone goes through issues. Everyone goes, you know, whether, whether you, you know, sometimes one of the terrible things about schools, and I hope it's not prevalent at your school and I'm sure it's not as a, as a strong Christian school, but things like bullying, Mm. but, but people suffer from all sorts of issues. I mean, whether it's eating disorders, whether it's, you know, pressure from, you know, a whole bunch of other areas. I mean, everyone experiences downtimes and a bit of anxiety, and it's about looking after each other and Look, we, we get a whole bunch of great speakers who've got different messages, but normally messages of transformation, they've often gone through tough times and they've got a wonderful message to send. So, yeah, Brendan, it's been wonderful to meet you and and to hear about your school and um, hopefully your, your students have got a, a couple of things that they've written down about our little chat.
0: Nick, you, you're a fantastic uh, person to talk to. We have uh, a highly respected and um, recognised Australian and... It, Sharing some of your experience and some of your perspective, it's been a privilege to, to hear how God has used you and continues to use you and the success he's brought into your life for the good of others around you. We, we'll pray good that. Good on that
1: you, continues. Headmaster. I really appreciate that. And um, to all your students and their families, um, blessings upon you guys. And make make sure, guys, you go out and bless other people. That's the, that's the most important thing. Be used by God to bless other people and good luck, um, particularly those who are doing their final years. Um, I know it's been tough these last couple of months and, um, you know, just be resilient, be strong, put your head down, work hard and um, look after mum and dad and look after your siblings and really love to catch up with you, Brendan. Um, it was great chat. God bless you, Nick.